Bokar Tov, we are in Sefer Shemuel Aleph, in the 13th chapter, in the 15th Pasuk. Yesterday, Shemuel comes to Shaul after seeing that Shaul has already done the offerings prior to the war and did not wait for Shemuel. He tells him, your kingship will be given to someone who God wants more in his heart. And now your kingship will not last, will not endure. In the meantime, however, Shaul is still being pressed by the Pelishim. So the fact that Shemuel is berating him for this mistake does not stop the fact that Bnei Israel needs salvation badly right now. Again, to, just to remember how this all started, Yonatan started the rebellion by killing one of the representatives of the Pelishim. And as they're waiting in, uh, what was it, in, in uh, Gilgal? Um, as they're waiting in the Gilgal for Shemuel to show up and, and, and do the prayers before the war begins to pray to Hashem for success, Shemuel never showed up. And the Bnei Israel started getting antsy and they started leaving and Shaul kind of lost his grip on the situation. He, he ends up bringing the korbanot that Shemuel said he would bring by himself and then that was his mistake. So Shemuel being upset, he leaves the Gilgal to give at Binyamin. And Shaul, how does it translate that? He counted the people? Yeah. He counted the people who were with him to be about 600 people. Now, what do we know about the, the army of Shaul thus far? How big was it? Um, it was 3,000 total, 2,000 with Shaul, 1,000 with Yonatan. However, now, Shaul is counting the people at 600, which means he lost a lot of people in, this, in the course of this. Okay, so what was already a tiny army compared to the army of the Pelishtim, is now even smaller. Mm-hmm. It also, by the way, should remind you of Gidon. Because Gidon, that we learned in Sefer Shofetim, when he went and wanted to battle against the Midianim, he was first going to go with, with 30,000 people. And then Borei Olam told him, no, 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 it's too many. So he, he, he chopped his army down to 3,000 and he took them to the, to the thing. They lit the fires or something? No, he took them to the, to the water to see how they would drink from the water. And oh, anybody yeah. who licked it like a dog was kicked out. Yeah. So they ended up having a few hundred people. I don't remember the exact number that Gidon had. But the same kind of deterioration of the size of the army happened with Gidon. It's happening with Shaul. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm bringing Gidon is that there are a lot of textual parallels between Gidon and Shaul and Yonatan. If you want to see more about those textual parallels, look at Amnon Bazak's book on Shemuel Aleph. Very, very well um, uh, organized book. Okay. So he goes to Givat Binyamin and Shaul's army is 600 people. Pasuk Tedzain. Shaul and Yonatan, his son, and the people who were with them. They are sitting now in, in Givat Binyamin, in Geva Binyamin, and the Pelishtim are in Michmash. Pasuk Yudzain. If we knew the, the uh, land of Israel, like the cartography of the land, it would be um, easier to understand what the significance is of having us in Givat Binyamin and them in Michmash. I don't know. It's probably very close. It's probably trying to show that the battle was, was, was very close to the beginning. you have anything? There is a, um, a, a map in the back about the war of Michmash, honestly. Let's see. So in the art scroll, Mikrot Gedolot, not the art scroll translated, the Hebrew art scroll, 
has Michmash. Where is Givat and Geva? Geva Binyamin. So Geva Binyamin would be in the territory of Binyamin. Obviously, Michmash is a little bit to the north. So the Pelishim have already. They're very in. They're very close. Close. They're actually further east, according to this map. They're further east into Israel proper, and they're coming from the west, which means that they're, they're they've encroached a lot. They're just mm. sitting there in Michmash. And they're going to pounce to the south and Where's attack Binyamin. Gilgal's here. So they went from Gilgal and oh, they traveled to Givat Binyamin. Right, first they were further away from Michmash, from the place of the Pelishtim. And then they traveled west to Givat Binyamin. It's only, everything I'm saying now only makes sense if you have the map in front of you. So um, for those who do not, I am sorry. Okay. Um, the the destructive forces of the Pelishtim come from the camp of the Pelishtim in three brigades, three heads. One was in the direction of Ofra, another one was towards Beit Choron, another one was by Gevul. That was overlooking the Tsevoim uh, uh, valley of in the desert. Okay? Now, why is it significant that they had three brigades? That the Pelishtim had three brigades? Because, if you remember, in the battle against Nachash Amoni, Shaul's tactic was to use three brigades. So what Shaul was doing previously as military tactic in confidence, Shaul is now seeming, it seems like what his, his tactics before were being used against him, and his greatness is, is nowhere to be found. His, the support of his army is not there. He only has 600 people. And his enemies are using tactics that he had previously used in, in other battles. Pasuk, and that was also from the, uh, the book of uh, Amnon Bazak. So all these interesting insights you could find in Amnon Bazak's book. I highly recommend it. Pasuk Yutet. There was no smith in all of the land of Israel. Because the Pelishtim would say, lest the Hebrews make a sword or a dagger. So what happened? The Radak explains the backstory. In the course of the Pelishti dominance over Israel, they were able to remove from within Israel all of the... They, they disallowed anybody to be in the smithing business or in the, in the weapons preparing business. So any weapons that B'nai Israel had to get or any tools like work buy tools that they had to buy from the Pelishtim. By doing this, the Pelishtim ensured that there'd be no rebellion because there no, there's no weaponry. Mm. Okay? That was their tactic. Now, how did they... The question is, how did the Pelishtim have that much dominance that they could remove all of the smiths from within Israel? Yeah. Apparently, because in Shemuel's life, we knew that Shemuel had pushed back the Pelishtim and he had taken all the cities that had once belonged to the Pelishtim. I mean, that had once belonged to the Jews and the Pelishtim had taken over. Yeah. So we thought that we were dominating the Pelishtim at this point. So apparently, when Shemuel got older the Pelishtim reasserted themselves. And in the gap between Shemuel's old age and Shaul's uh, reign, the Pelishtim had, had, had re-exerted themselves to a very large extent. Um, also, because of the temporariness of Shemuel's dominance, it could be that they did not rebuild everything that the Pelishtim had taken away. So the program of having smiths throughout the land of Israel, 
they couldn't rebuild that whole infrastructure of, of, of army of preparing weaponry in that short amount of time. And the Pelishim quickly took uh, over once again. So now Bnei Israel are left without weapons. Now we have a few psukim I just describe all the weapons that were not to be found in Israel. Israel would go down towards the Pelishim. For the person, can you translate that? To sharpen his, uh, sharpen, his sharpen his plow and his shovel. Vet kardumo, vet machare chateau. You can translate Axe these. Axe and hole. Axe and hole and this and that. Okay. Pasuk kafalaf. Vet petsirafim la machare shot vilaitim vilishosh kilshonu la kardumim la tzivat darivan. What are that? What's that? These are more uh, weapons. It was a multi-group not weapons. file. They, used yeah, they had a file. Sharpen the whole spades. Three prongs, pitchforks, axes, and for setting the peg of an ox goad. And probably like a hammer that they used to, they used to set the peg for an ox goad. All of these things they used to buy from the Pelishtim. Mm-hmm. And this is not only weaponry. This is also farming equipment. Anything metal yeah. they had to buy from the Pelishtim. Which means if they are buying their shovels from the Pelishtim, it means that weapons for sure they don't have. It was in the day of the battle. There was no sword or chanit. What is chanit? A spear? spear. Sword or spear in, in, the, in the hands of the people. Asher et Shaul vet Yonatan. They were with Shaul and Yonatan. Shaul Yonatan beno. The only people who had weaponry were the two leaders, Shaul and Yonatan. Everybody else had no weaponry. And the um, the 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 how did you like this garrison. The garrison of the Pelishtim moved towards the passage of Mikmash. Probably they're getting ready to encroach. Meaning toward, they they stop. So so this is like an ominous ending to the Pasuk. Because we know that Bani Yisrael have no weaponry and the Pelishtim are now moving away from Mikmash towards Ma'abar Mikmash. So they could start encroaching on onto Bani Israel. Uh, and that's what the parak ends. So it's a very ominous ending to the parak. Uh, to the parak. Let's see if there's some salvation that will be here. It seems like Bnei Israel are done for at this point. Mm-hmm. We'll see if there's some salvation at hand in the next chapter. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.